Welcome to Slapshot Podcast, episode number 59. I'm your host, Chris Romares. Thank you for being here. Thank you for hanging out. Welcome in. What a jam-packed episode today. My God, so many things happening around the NHL. We are past the midway point of the NHL playoffs. Ton of surprises in the first and second round. We got... I mean, we got draft news. We got we got everything. I would suggest you uh, crack a cold one, right? Uh, by cold one, I mean, uh, I don't know, whatever you enjoy to drink. It doesn't have to be a beer. It could be a Gatorade, whatever you like. Settle in. You know, if you're listening to this in your car, thank you. If you're listening to this over on YouTube, thank you. Go ahead, hit the sub button, ring the bell. If you're not subscribed to the YouTube channel, go ahead and do so at SlapshotPod, youtube.com at SlapshotPod. You can follow me on Twitter at FuzzyChris91. Follow the podcast on Twitter as well at SlapshotPodcast. You can sign up for it wherever you enjoy your podcasts, the Stitcher, the Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Podbean. All right. Like I said, we we got a lot of things to get to today. We're gonna start with some just some some honorable mentions, some things that may have happened. Maybe you didn't hear about it. Uh, then we're gonna dive right into what we gotta talk to. A first, I guess, congratulations to the Chicago Blackhawks. We ended up winning the NHL draft lottery. Uh, do they deserve it? No, but that's a whole other topic. So we'll stay away from that. But yes, congratulations to them. They're gonna get the first overall pick. So Connor Bedard is going to be heading to Chicago just as the era of Jonathan Taves and Patrick Haynes and the Blackhawks get their franchise player uh, who gets to play with absolutely nobody. So good for them, I guess. I was hoping Connor Bedard would end up anywhere but Chicago. Uh, Anaheim was probably my pick outside of, of course, Montreal. But unfortunately, the hockey gods were not with Habs fans that day. So, yeah, poor, poor me. That's how I feel about this. Also, I guess maybe not congratulations to the Arizona Coyotes. Uh, If you live under a rock, like I said, the city of Tempe voted on uh, money for a new entertainment district in their city, which included a new rink for the Coyotes. They voted against it because... Uh, the one thing that is consistent in the state of Arizona is nobody wanting to house the Coyotes. At this point in my life, I think I understand that as long as Gary Bettman is the commissioner of hockey, there will not be a team in Quebec City. He just he just doesn't want it. But he refuses to give up the or at least admit that hockey in Arizona has just not worked out. This team has bounced around from. I, I don't even know how many cities, right? They played in Glendale for a minute. I think they played somewhere else as well. Now they're playing at right in Tampa with the Arizona Arizona State University rink is Mullet Arena. We knew that was a temporary agreement, right? Because they weren't going to play in a 5,000 seat college hockey rink forever. But now with the city of Tempe voting against a new arena, we have no idea where this team is going to end up. And again, at this point, I don't care where they go. Anywhere else but Arizona would fit. You want to move them to Houston? Do it. You want to move them to Kansas City? As Pat Mahomes tweeted, thinking it was a great idea. Cool. Do it. I really don't care at this point. Move another team to Southern Ontario for all I care. I would hate it. But this team should not be 
in Arizona. They can't secure any type of funding to give this team a long-term home. They just can't. They can't. It's just every city in Arizona is just passing around the Coyotes saying, no, it's your turn to hold on to them. And like, how much more are we going to go through this? They're playing in a college rink. This is a pro. This is like, it's not, it's not like a minor hockey league team or something, or even a junior team or an ECHL team where we see affiliates move all the time. This is an NHL team and they cannot secure any type of funding for a long-term home. Oh, and by the way, they're also not a very good team. I, I wish it was different. I wish the people of Arizona loved the Coyotes more. But again, it's hockey in the South, man. It's just, it is what it is. They don't, people there just don't want them to be there. So please, I beg of you, hockey gods and Gary, please move the Arizona Coyotes anywhere, anywhere else but where they are. Give them a long-term home. And if I'm an owner of the, like for the other 31 teams, I would also want this to happen, right? There's revenue sharing in the league. The top earning teams have to give the teams that don't make money some money so that they can survive. Like just at one point, you're like, how much more money do I have to give away before we do something with them? Move them. It's fine. It's okay. It didn't work. We, they've been in what? In Arizona for what? 20 years. I'm old enough to remember they were called the Phoenix Coyotes. Didn't even play in Phoenix. Just I I'm tired of this. How many more? Now, Bill Daly did say that the Coyotes are going to play at Mullet Arena next season, which I, I, I don't think that is shocking to anybody. I didn't expect them to move next week. But the process of trying to find where they're going to play hockey long term is just it's not working. It's not working. Move them out. Move them wherever they got to be. You understand? I love you, Arizona Coyotes. Ish. Uh, but your future is not there. And if you think uh, cover boy, Austin Matthews, is going to go to Arizona, he he's probably not. He's probably not. Why would you want to go and play somewhere where you don't even know if you're going to be there? There's nothing to love about Arizona. All 10 of their fans are obviously very unhappy with this, but I think it's time we move them out of there. Again, if it's not Quebec City, fine. I can live with it. I don't like it, but it is what it is. I'll deal with it. So that's what's kind of been happening a little bit around the NHL here. Let's dig into what is actually going on. And I mean, all things work out great, right? I decided to do this podcast today. And then boom, 10 minutes before I start. Right, major bomb drops. Kyle Dubas is now the former general manager of the Toronto Maple Leafs. He's decided to part ways with the team, and I'm going to be honest, a little bit shocking. I know we've, I know we know that the Toronto Maple Leafs got eliminated in the second round, and that always brings up conversation about. Dubis and Sheldon Keefe and their future and every single superstar on that team and whatnot. But when Dubas had his end of year press conference, right? Like he mentioned that he was going to talk to his family and see what he wanted to do. And I think that that was shocking, right? 
that kind of caught me off guard. I was like, oh, which is fine. Like every player and personnel says the same thing. Well, you know, I'll talk to my family and then whatnot. But I think for Kyle Dubas being in the market that is Toronto and the pressure that comes with it and the failures over the last five years as general manager, I think maybe the man's just tired. Maybe he just like doesn't want to do this anymore. Or at least not in Toronto. He did say that if he wasn't going to be back in Toronto, he wasn't going to go somewhere else. He was just going to like chillax for a bit, which is fine. He's earned it. I think he has. He's gone through more than enough. And I mean, Toronto has what? Like four assistant general managers. So there's more than enough personnel there to take over short term. And they could probably hire from within. And that would be fine as well. But I do not think this is uh, Dubis getting fired. Right, because it's probably said. Well, we decided to part ways with him. I think maybe this was. I, I wouldn't even say it was mutual. I think maybe this is Dubis who got back to them and said, "Hey, I just don't want to do this." Or if Toronto was at least kind of maybe pressuring him for an answer and say, "Hey, man, we need to know what we're doing, and if you don't want to be here, just say it, and it's okay, and we'll move on." Because ideally, I guess the team would like to have a general manager in place before the draft and before free agency. Like that's just. It would make good sense, right? You don't want four guys trying to put together this team or navigating everything that's happening in what I think is a very critical year for Toronto, right? We know that outside of all their failures, we know that they have very little money uh, to play with over the next couple of years. They don't really have a ton of picks in the draft coming up. They have three picks uh, they have one in the first round that is not theirs. It's Boston's. And they got they got one more year of this core four together before changes are likely going to happen. And the changes are going to happen because we have no choice. Right? The definition of insanity is repeating an action over and over again and expecting a different result. And is this core four what is needed to get to the next level, I don't think so. I will say this. Even before the Dubas news, I don't think the Maple Leafs need a complete overhaul of this team. I really don't. I think Dubas gave this team everything they needed to succeed, and they just didn't do it. But at the same time, it's... How can I put this? Even if you wanted to trade some of those players, so let's go through the core four. Okay, let's get let's like take John Tavares off the table. You're not going to be able to move that eleven million dollar deal. It's not going to happen. Um, it it would shock me if they decided to move Austin Matthews, especially after the series he kind of had. He was in I wouldn't say invisible in round two, but he didn't score a goal. And when you are paid to score goals and you don't do that then it's a problem, right? You need to score goals when you are paid to do that. That is his job. His job is to score goals. He did not do that in the second round. We know he is a very talented player who can fill the net during the regular season, but that's just not enough, right? The gang was good in the first round against Tampa Bay. That they To me, they shocked. They made Andre Vasilevsky look below average. And they played a very good team game. 
And then they ran into the Florida Panthers, who I think have just peaked at the absolute perfect time. Right? The Panthers are a very complete hockey team when all cylinders are rolling, whether you want to believe it or not. And maybe the hockey gods decided to punish them uh, because fans were getting cocky after they eliminated Tampa Bay, chanting, you know, we want Florida. And then the Panthers showed up and said, okay, here, here we are. Okay, hi. And then they did what they did to them. But again, you're not there. There, There's a lot of money tied here. And even if you wanted to move these guys who are making a boatload of money, you you ideally want to move them and not have to retain salary, right? Because Toronto doesn't have the funds to do that. And which is why I, I don't think they'll move somebody like John Tavares. I don't think they'll move Mitch Marner. I would want to move Austin Matthews. And I definitely don't want to move William Nylander, which if I'm a general manager, especially after all this going on in Toronto in the news, like I'm calling immediately be like, hey, man, how much for Willie Nylander? William Nylander is a very good hockey player. And his contract obviously is really good. He's making six point nine million dollars. Uh, he's got one more year before he becomes a UFA. Like, that's the guy I would I, I would try to add. If Toronto's going to shake up that core fourth, that's the guy I'm calling about and saying, hey, uh, I'd like to know more about him. Sounds fair, right? He is a very productive player. He was very good throughout the playoffs. And this is despite he's usually the guy who is not on the top power play unit, right? When Ryan O'Reilly came in, he took over that, which is fine. You bring O'Reilly in to do a lot of things. Uh, O'Reilly wasn't necessarily great in the second round, but I mean, he's 32. You brought him in to do a job. He did it ish. Uh, the bottom of that lineup, I would say was pretty good for Toronto, right? Guys like Nola Chari were pretty good. Michael Bunting, when he was back in was effective. Matthew Nyes was good before his concussion. But when your bottom pairing guys or your bottom six is noticeable, most nights that's 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 a problem because most of your money is tied up in the big boys and they have to be the difference maker in the same way that for Florida the difference makers you know Sergey Bobrovsky the guy who gets the big check I don't know what he's been eating recently but it's working this man has turned into the Vezina goalie that we once knew he was like he didn't even start the playoffs and we know how bad he's been now for the better part of what two years now, all of a sudden, he gets into the playoffs and he stonewalls everything. Even in yesterday's marathon game against Carolina, he looked fantastic. And he's looked fantastic since the start, since he took over. He's looked really good. The Panthers have their top players who are there and contributing. We know what Matthew Kachuk brings to the table. Even if he doesn't score, he does so much else. To help his team win. And then the supporting cast around Florida's defense. Very, very good. Brandon Montour, I think, is completely underrated. He logged 50 plus minutes last night. 50 plus. I know we went. We almost went to like, you know, what felt like a never ending overtime. <laughs> multiple ones. But Montour looked great. And he can shoot the puck. He can move it. He can play defense. He He's all over the place. To me, Florida, they've peaked at the right time, and they are just a really good hockey team right now. 
So am I shocked that they won game one? A little bit. But I'm not shocked to what they've been able to accomplish up till now. After they eliminated Boston, obviously that was shocking. I didn't have them making it pass, but I didn't think their series against Toronto was going to go the way that it did. I actually had the Leafs winning it because I just thought, like if t- if Toronto could get past Tampa Bay, you should be able to get past Florida. And boy, was I wrong. <laughs> but all this to say, if I'm the Toronto Maple Leafs, the player that I'm I'm moving, if I have to move one, it it has to be Austin Matthews. Right. I, I don't want to move William Nylander because I think he is a really good player and he's got a very favorable deal. So I need to retain that. I can't move Marner and I can't move Tavares without having to retain some money. Specifically Tavares. I don't that that, that deal is not not that it's not aging well, but he's obviously not living up to eleven million dollars, which is fair. And we know what Austin Matthews can bring to the table. We know what he's capable of doing. He's probably the only player out of that gang, right? Out of Tavares, Marner, and him, who I could move without having to retain any money. Like somebody else will take on that money. I don't think somebody else would take on the money for Marner. And I'm going to be honest, I don't think I want Marner on my team. I don't think he's a difference maker. I really don't. And it was really telling when Toronto was down. 3-0 and right obviously the media is grilling them and da 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 and then Marner says you know we and his quote was kind of funny the same thing with Matthews right they were kind of like well you know we don't really care what the media says we don't listen to you and you kind of felt like they had like this chip on their shoulder like kind of they were like you know F you to everybody like we don't care and whatnot and yet William Nylander and his presser the man is just smiling he's having a good time and he's like hey this is where we you know where we have to be our best. It's going to be fun. It's going to be exciting. Even though you're down through nothing. I didn't look at that as a guy who's not taking it seriously. I'm looking at it as a guy who says, okay, like we have a job to do and we can do this. And we're not, you know, even if he's not listening to the media and whatnot, that's fine. But I feel like Marner's just this guy who, I don't know, it, it just doesn't, doesn't bring, uh, he's not going to lead my team to victory. He's not. He's not that guy. You're not that guy, pal. And maybe I'm wrong. That's fine. But I'm not a general manager. I'm not calling about Mitch Marner. I can find a lot of, you know, I, I could find good wingers who can facilitate the puck. Does it have to be Marner? No. I don't think I can find many players, though, like Austin Matthews, a centerman with the shot that he has. Is he a winner? I mean, he hasn't done it yet, but I think he still has the capability to lead a team, right? That's me. That's me. And I could be wrong, right? So I don't think the Maple Leafs have to blow up their team. I don't. I don't think that's how they're going to go, especially now with them having to find a GM. Like this GM's not going to come in and just strip everything apart, right? It's not how it's going to go. And the Toronto Maple Leafs had their, you know, their struggles, was Ilya Samsonov bad? No, I don't think he was. Was he better than Bobrovsky? No. I think the Maple Leafs may have found their goalie of the future in Joseph Wall. I think that's the guy who, if you're going to roll with him, which I think they should, have him be there. He was really composed in those games. He was really good. He gave his team a chance to win. We obviously know the Matt Murray deal is a flop, but I mean, that we knew. 
from the beginning, with the exception of Dubas and some Leaf fans who kept telling me, no, 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 he's going to be great. He's a two-time Stanley Cup winner. Cool. And then he wasn't. <laughs> Shocking, right? I think you could bring back Samsonov. He's on an RFA deal. You can pair him with Joseph Wall. He'll be just fine. I don't think Toronto's defense is that bad. I thought the guys they brought in did a, a good job. I think you can get maybe Luke Shen at a discount. I think you can get maybe you. I mean, you can bring back Justin Hall if you want. But there are some things that need to change in Toronto. Yes, but I don't think stripping that core four completely in the way that some people want it to is the solution. And I don't think firing Sheldon Keefe is going to make it better. I really don't. In the same way that for the Edmonton Oilers, I don't think they need to revamp the whole wheel there as well. I had Edmonton making it past Vegas. Again, I was just, my picks are on fire. If you want to make money, do the opposite of whatever I tell you. You're about to, you're about to retire in the Bahamas, <laughs> you know? But there's another team I think that, is it a disappointment? Maybe. But we know who the Edmonton Oilers are, right? They're top heavy. They were exceptionally good because of their power play. But unfortunately, they didn't get good goaltending. And we could kind of agree that Jack Campbell's contract is his not has has not worked out. Right? For now. Is that fair? Right. Hasn't really worked out. Uh, and oh, by the way, you have four more years of that. <laughs> so and again, the Oilers have some players. We're going to need some money. Evan Bouchard's going to need some. Um, Darnell Nurse is making a boatload of money for no reason. That's a contract that's terrible. Obviously, they have some RFAs. They have some UFAs. Their bottom six is going to change. But most of that team is going to stay intact. But again, we we saw guys in the playoffs who just didn't perform. Ryan Nugent Hopkins, 100-point season. Didn't have a great playoffs. McDavid and Dreisaitl were as advertised. I don't think that's I don't think that's problematic. And and a lot of people are going to sit there and say, "Oh, well, Chris, you, you know, Nugent Hopkins still had eleven points in twelve games. Yeah, but he scored one goal. You don't put up one hundred and four points in the regular season and then just be, I don't know, not great in the playoffs. And and he hasn't had a ton of success in the playoffs. And that's look, that's the Edmonton Oilers in a nutshell. I think. They need, in my mind, they need a goalie. And it's not to take anything away from Stuart Skinner. Is he the guy? I don't know. He had a really good stretch, right? March and April. When they acquired Matthias Ekholm, who they still have for three more years at six mil. When he showed up, that team got better. But is he a long-term solution? I don't know. Is Jack Campbell going to turn it around? I don't know. I would say, personally, I would say Toronto's situation is better than Edmonton's. Like, what's Edmonton going to add? Where are they going to add it? They have no money. It's a team with no money. So what are you like? What are you going to do? This is a team that, as of like today, according to Cap Friendly, they're sitting at a final cap hit of ninety million dollars. They're they're already way up over the cap, and it's not it's not going to get any better, right? It's not like they're going to free up a ton of money. So you're going to add players to your bottom six. 
But your top six, for the most part, is going to stay exactly as it is. You have Zach Hyman there long-term, right? Vander Kane is still there long-term. Nugent Hopkins is going to be there long-term. Dreisaitl's got two more years on his $8.5 million deal, which feels like an absolute steal. And then Connor's presser, right? He, he kind of said, well, it's, you know, next year it's either, you know, Stanley Cup or bust. And that's, I mean, it's fair. It's not like Connor's not doing enough, right? He's 26, by the way, Connor McDavid. Like he's, he's been around the league a minute now. And the Edmonton Oilers just haven't had any success. But this is a team that's built from the front end back, right? But the defense is not great. And their goaltending is questionable. And as long as you don't have that, as as long as you're not okay and, and you don't fix all that, it's not going to matter. You know what I mean? It's just not, it's just not going to matter. What can they do? Again, you you tell me. That's why I think Toronto's situation is is better because at least you can say, okay, well, you know, you have things that you can do. You can move stuff. Like, who are you going to move? You're not moving. You're not moving Evander Kane or you're not moving Zach Hyman, right? Or you're not going to get much. I don't think they move Ryan Nugent Hopkins because I don't think anybody's buying high on his one season. Like, let's get something straight here. Edmonton had a power play for the ages. Like, their power play is just on a whole other level. It's the same thing for Evan Bouchard, right? When Tyson Berry got out of town, all of a sudden, Evan Bouchard took over. Top power play unit. He's got that big bomb from the point. Man looked unstoppable. Okay. Are you going to get that same result going somewhere else? On a, Not even on a bad power play. Let's just say like an average power play. But that's how good the power play was for Edmonton. They were operating at 50%. You're scoring on one in every two chances you get. And give Vegas credit. Vegas lost Laurent Brassois. Aiden Hill comes in, and he's perfectly fine. This is a team that doesn't have Logan Thompson, their starter. They didn't start Jonathan Quick. They don't even dress him. And Why would you? He's not going to play much. They have, what, four goalies who could play, assuming Thompson is healthy? And it just feels like next man up. Even Brassois was good. He was really good. And then Hill comes in and looks great as well. This is a team that's built to win. The Vegas Golden Knights are a really good hockey team. They have their stars up front. Defensively, they are very good. And their goaltending is extremely solid. But I think the goalies are a product of the strong play up front, which is not the same for Edmonton. Edmonton doesn't play well enough defensively. And that means sacrificing point totals for certain players. We know what McDavid and Dreisaitl can do. They are, they are on a whole other level. But is it enough to win a Stanley Cup? So far, it's not. Has not worked out. Has not been good. So we don't know there. If we go all the way back to the first round, right? Uh, talk about the Boston Bruins. Look, is. It's always tough for a team that sets all these records and then fails in the first round to come out of it and say, hey, something good happened. And they were down. They were sorry. They were up 3-1 in their series. I think that shocked me the most because this is a 
like the Bruins, like they understood how to win. They've been in the playoffs. They've been there before. Yes, Marsh uh, Bergeron was hurt, but it seems like when he came back, that team got worse. Apparently, Linus Allmark was dealing with some quite severe injury that limited his mobility. I don't know why Montgomery didn't turn to Swayman earlier in that point. Like I felt like it was unfair to have Jeremy Swayman start game seven when he hasn't played a minute in the playoffs at that point almost. Like it, it just and was Swayman good in that game seven? Not really. I wouldn't say he was terrible, but he let in some questionable goals or at least goals that I felt were a little bit soft. It's not his fault. It is what it is. I'm more concerned, let's say, with Patrice Bergeron and whether he comes back. We know the type of player that he is. I think they should rename the Selkie Trophy, the Patrice Bergeron Trophy. He's going to win it. He's been nominated for it again. It's his. But what, like, what else does Patrice Bergeron have to prove? Like, What does he have to do? He's won gold medals. He's won World Cups. He's got a Stanley Cup. He wins the Selkie almost every year. He can go to the all-star game every year if he wanted to. Like what else is there to accomplish for him? And we know that with everything that it was dealing with his father being ill and just his overall health as well. Like, does he really have to go through this? Right. Dubas talked about how important and how like stressful this was for his family. It's gotta be the same, if not more for Bergeron, right? Like what else does he have to prove at this point? He's done everything that, a player of his caliber can do. He is a first ballot Hall of Famer. First ballot. Not even a thought about whether he gets in or not. Not even like, ah, uh, no. Like, if, if you gave me the ballot, you said, pick one. And I saw Bergeron's name. I check him off. Like, okay, one. And then I figure out the rest. So what else is there for him to accomplish? The same thing with Brad Marchand. Like, these guys have been around a minute. You know what I mean? And they've accomplished so much as a team. Is this team just as good without Bergeron and Marshawn in it? I don't think so. Right? It's not. David Krejci, same thing. He's going to become a UFA. Does he want to come back? I think for Marshawn, I mean, he's got two more years on his deal. So we'll see how he wants to go about his business. But... Like, what else does this team have to accomplish? Or what else do those players have to accomplish? I don't know. You want to go through the grind again? After, like, you, you've even set NHL records this year as a team. Like, what more do you want? Nothing. I would put more money on Bergeron retiring. And saying, hey, man, I've, I've done it. I'm good. I'm good, fam. I've been here. I've 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 put in the time. I put in the work. I've won everything I I could have won. I'm good. There we go. And the last part before I let you go here. Uh, shout out to the Seattle Kraken as a hockey team. It's wild to watch these expansion teams do so well because these are just misfits basically put together and they come out and they have a ton of success. And I think if teams are looking. To build winning franchises. Vegas Golden Knights in their first year, even now, and the Seattle Kraken as well this year are good examples. Seattle is one of the highest scoring teams. Okay. You can't really name a true superstar on that team. Like they have good players, 
right? But like Matty Berniers is not a superstar. Jared McCann scored 40. Still, I, I wouldn't say he's a superstar, right? They have a ton of players. They have no player on their roster making $6 million. Not one. Grubauer makes the most at 5.9. They have no forward making over 5.5. They have no defenseman making over 5. Jamie Alexiak is the highest paid defenseman today on that roster at $4.6 million. Now, Vince Dunn's an RFA. Maybe he gets a little bit of money. But what I liked about Seattle and the way that they operated, and I think that's what gave so many teams so much trouble, was that you have to respect the entire lineup. And what I mean by that is if you, let's say you're like, like Boston, right? Boston's got a really good top line. Their second line is really good, and then they got their depth. Right, Toronto's the same thing. You got your crazy elite top line, your second line, absolutely good, and then you got your third and fourth line. Seattle has four lines that you can play, which means everybody is, I wouldn't say fresh, but everybody's balanced out a certain way. Right, Nobody's getting overtaxed in the same way that McDavid and Dreisaitl will have to play like 24 minutes a night just to be competitive. And then you get, when you get production from Everybody in the lineup, like in the first round against Colorado, I think one player in that lineup didn't have a point in the first round. One player. I think it was William Borgen, by the way, if I think every other player in that round had at least one point. Which I think gave Colorado a lot of trouble because you don't know who to defend. You can't just shut down one line. You got to respect everybody. And that it's hard for a team to just slow down an entire opposition team for 60 minutes. You can't get a certain matchup that you want because you don't want to leave, you know, the second or third line free to run wild. And then they score goals as well. I like the way this Seattle team is built. I think they're overall, like I said, they're a good team. This is not a team that you look and you say, man, these guys are loaded with skilled players. They have good players, but none of these players I would call elite. They're good. I don't think any of them are elite, but here they are chucking away. They were in the regular season, top five in goals. They shot the puck a ton. Philip Grubauer found his game. If this team stays relatively as is, maybe they add a couple more players. Maybe this is good as well for free agents. You look at Seattle, you see, you see what they're doing. You say, hey, I wouldn't mind going there, bringing my talents to the West Coast. I like it. I give Seattle a ton of credit. I thought they were going to get steamrolled in the first round. They did not. They looked really good. And when I watched them play, it was always it was always somebody else. Like Yanni Gord at one point was leading the team in points. And I'm like, buddy, What? And they pushed Dallas to the brink. You understand? They they got past the defending champions in the Colorado and they pushed the Dallas Stars to the brink. That is a really good, that is really good for a team that is in their second year of existence. They made it to the second round in their second year. Uh, and Toronto has taken them what? It took them what, 19 years to do that? To, to accomplish it again? 
I'm not saying that having crazy expensive elite superstars is not a way to win hockey games, even though every player on the in every player remaining uh, in the Stanley Cup playoffs, no player makes over 10 mil. Every player who's made over 10 million, who's making $10 million a year average, they're out. So maybe the $10 million man doesn't mean that you're going to win hockey games or at least win when it counts. You may get to where you need to be. Actually, I think that's false. Maybe, maybe Sergey Bobrovsky is the only one left. How much is Sergey making? Sergey's making a boatload of money. I, again, I don't know what Sergey Bobrovsky is eating, but like I want some of it. He is. Okay, so the only player remaining who's making 10 mil is Sergey Bobrovsky. My apologies to Sergey. There you go. Nobody else. Oh, wait, and Alexander Barkov. Jesus, I am a mess. I am a mess. Okay, two players. Maybe it works. I don't know. I didn't expect the Florida Panthers to be here. This is a team, by the way, the Florida Panthers, just again, segue here. This is a team that made it into the playoffs because the Pittsburgh Penguins couldn't beat Chicago or the Columbus Blue Jackets. You imagine they beat one of those two teams they're in. They couldn't do that. Think about it. So that's what's been happening here. So again, shout out to Seattle, man. Seattle fans, the team, team's in a great spot. I love what they're doing here. Uh, so shout out to those guys, man. Shout out to all of you who continue to listen. I appreciate you if you've made it this far. Thank you. Make sure you go ahead on the YouTube, youtube.com slash at Slapshot Pod. Go ahead, hit the sub button, ring the bell, drop a like. I appreciate you for listening over there. If you're listening to this on the Apple Podcasts, the Stitcher, the Spotify, the Podbean, thank you. Go ahead, hit the follow or subscribe button wherever you are. Make sure you head over to Twitter. You follow me at FuzzyChris91. You follow the podcast as well at Slapshot Podcast. Going to go ahead and do that. Uh, next time we check in with each other, I know I said I would check in after the first round. Just it is what it is. Uh, we probably check back at the end of the playoffs. By then, we'll have a champion. And then we'll do our final podcast for the season. That'll be our season finale. So you can want to tune in for that one. I promise we'll recap everything that's probably happened in the year, the champions, all the stuff, all the stories that happened. So then we probably have some shocking stuff happening at that point. Who knows? Maybe the Florida Panthers are Stanley Cup champions by that time. Imagine. Wouldn't that be wild? I know. But as always, thank you so much for being here. I love you. I appreciate you. We'll talk to each other again soon.